So, that, so all of that leads me here. Why are we uh-huh. standing on top of a giant landfill? What, like, why did you take me here, and why do I see so many discarded candles? Well, Dave, okay, I wanted you to see firsthand the problem facing the candle industry. Mm. L- let me hit you with this stat. This okay. is actually sit down okay. on all those discarded candles. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah, it's going to be sharp. Almost two billion candles are sold globally each year, and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next million years. Okay. I, I wouldn't say this to a lot of people, John. Yeah. You're not lying to me because you don't lie to me, John. I, I would never lie, especially about candles. I, saw, I told you that the first years, day we met. That is Gnarls Barkley crazy. Although I must admit, this landfill does smell pretty great compared <laughs> to what I anticipated. The, you know, the candles do kind of pick that part up, but it's disturbing. John. Hey, Dave, yeah. you're funny, but this is no time to I'm joke. So sorry, okay, The dude. folks at Notes yep. knew that we all want our homes to smell great. I do. But figured there had to be a more responsible way. And guess what? They found the perfect solution. What did they come Let up with? Let me tell you. If you'll okay. stop interrupting me, so I'll tell you. So Notes created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again. And guess what, Dave? Again. Again. Yes. Please don't interrupt me. So you don't become part of the problem. It's so easy to use. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, and all you do is place the wick in the reusable notes jar, fill it up with the wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then just do it all over again when you're ready to get a new one. Oh, so that means I can switch out of fragrances all the time. That's right. That sounds great. I'm checking out their website, and I think I already have my eye on the Centol and Atlas Cedar. Cedar. I knew that would be Plumeria and Pink Current. Yep, Mm. yep, yep. The one that you're enjoying right now, uh-huh. Smell that? Mm, it's vanilla and pepperwood. That's like my two favorite scents. No, and the names of your bunnies, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, just coincidence there. <laughs> okay. Did you know that there are thirteen amazing fragrances what? in all? Dave, that's almost fourteen oh. fragrances, <laughs> handcrafted <laughs> by fragrance experts at their home base in South Carolina. And they are to die for. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up on high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notecandles.com slash podcast. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code DADVILLE. Just use code DADVILLE when placing your order. That's code DADVILLE at notecandles.com slash podcast. Yanni. Yavid? Yeah. No, that I do place. that right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I want to say this, and I've wanted to say this for a while, okay? I want uh, you to say it. Um, here I go. Besides your daily camaraderie, you've uh-huh. changed my life for the better with something you brought into my right life recently. And my wife recently. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's both. That's how good this thing is. I better know what it is. What? I mean, it's obvious. It's go, my hair. Say it. My new haircut. Oh, no. Uh, I did it myself. Yes. It, I was going to guess you or Luca. I do like it. Thank I, you. But I don't like it as much as I do. What I would say, one, is your joie de vivre. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of your joy that you bring into my life. But two, you introducing me to Methodical Coffee. It's been a game changer. Oh, of course. Yep. Yeah. 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 Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little okay. offended that uh, my new hairdo isn't life-changing. It's life-challenging. It's life-challenging. But look, I understand your love for Methodical Coffee. Mm. It was voted one of the best roasters in America by Gear Patrol. Wow. Methodical offers a wide range of flavor profiles from classics like bold and chocolatey. How was it described in high school? <laughs> to medium blends, to really cool avant-garde styles like joie 
Joie de vivre. Did I say that right? I don't know. I'm not French anymore. Okay. And you know what? They roast every coffee to order, so it's super fresh when I receive the beans. Yeah, honestly, I can't start my day without a nice cup of methodical coffee. If you want to try a great new way to start your day, visit methodicalcoffee.com for more information. And use the discount code DADVILLE at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first order. That's methodicalcoffee.com, discount code DADVILLE at checkout for 10% off your first order. Receive those beans. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Abner Ramirez from Johnny Swim. Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, we wanted to give you a little heads up that this conversation does contain some adult topics and some adult language. Okay, no. <laughs> building up the... No, okay, I building up the, talent. That, Wait a that's second. the move. Building, building up, up talent, talent, building up talent. All right, I think I, I, think I have enough. I think I have enough. Building up, building up treasure. I think I have enough. Storing my heaven, treasures. Treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven, but I need them now. I need talent, the treasures talent, now. Talent, now. Give talent, me just no. a... Talent now. <laughs> talent now. I think it's there. I don't know. Can that be our booking agency? <laughs> talent, talent now. now. <laughs> what do you need? You need talent now. Talent you now. Um, oh, here we are. Abner, it is so good to see your face. Bro, look at us looking at each other. Miss you guys. Man, I, I am so excited about this conversation. Not to put any undue pressure here. God, I don't know how much. I, I'm I might already not have stored a great up enough time. talent. Oh, yeah. Same. You, same. <laughs> <laughs> you summon the talent there's a, so we know uh, that you're going to bring there's it. this uh, Jamie Foxx when he's doing interviews you know j- as performers we know watching somebody like Jamie Foxx when he's doing an interview or when he's hosting something you know he's just got he's just cranked right like he's just yeah, got he's, going. He's, uh, he's dialed all the way up and so he'll I've seen him a few times where he'll uh, he'll be gone and he's hilarious and he's really just back and forth with somebody really funny and then he'll say something that just falls flat and there'll be this, he'll allow this like pregnant, awkward pause and he'll just say, sorry guys, I ran out of talent. And I just love that. I really feel like I felt that at a soul level when I heard that the first time, because I know that feeling. Oh, yeah. At some point you jump as performers, we're used to jumping, leaping and, and the net appears after we leap. Right. Right. Amanda likes to say that she thinks out everything she says and then somehow it doesn't come together the way she had planned where mm. I just start talking and i like to discover where we're going to end up by the end of this <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. that i People, ran out of talent that's the net that's like six inches from the ground yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you've yeah. been falling for five yeah. seconds oh i yeah. ran out of talent that's great yeah we um uh that that is uh that is going to be my new excuse for everything. And I mean, even in a familial setting. Like, I'm going to start the show with you? that. Oh, sorry, babe, I ran out of talent. <laughs> sorry, I ran out of talent. <laughs> Aren't you watching the kids? Let's I'm take it from Yell here. at your kids. Dad. <laughs> sorry, sorry, ran out of talent. <laughs> Dad talent is gone. I think this hoodie's making me look real fat, y'all. I promise I'm not as fat as this hoodie's no, making me look. No, it's not. No. <laughs> this is my studio posture. I have really great studio yeah. posture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called, yeah, yeah. I don't want to walk after I'm 50. That's this posture. <laughs> That's what this is. That's the curve of my back. This the is uh, we call this an S curve. <laughs> so Abner, um, here we are in Dadville together. Um, doesn't it feel great? God, I, I already the weather's just better here. Gotta be honest, <laughs> it is. It almost, is. Just almost brought a beer. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. We don't run out of talent in Dadville. It is. 
Always, the streams, the these streams it. are stocked. You can always fish for it and catch it here. Yes. Um, we are uh, thrilled to have you on. Um, how's how's La La Land, by the way? Bro, it's cold. You know, it's like fifty for real. Like, I mean, <laughs> oh. I guess not really. It's like fifty. There are people listening to this podcast right it's now. Freezing. Like, are you kidding me? He just said it's cold and it's fifty. And yeah. I just had a conversation with my wife where I was looking at my weather app and I was like, babe, 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 next Monday is going to be sunny and 50. <laughs> we're like, we're, we're making plans based around because that. Because it's 50. And you're staying inside. With it's 50. I'm like, man, turn a fireplace on. Oof, put yeah. a sweater. No, it's great. Yeah. La La Land's awesome. It's, it's, it's stuck, right? Like the rest of us. It's just, but somehow you get on the highway and there's so much traffic and I'm going to like, <laughs> I don't know, my sister's house to go drop something off in her garage or something. And meanwhile, I'm yelling at everybody. I'm like, why are you out? People are dying. Where are you going? Right. They're all going to their sister's garage. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> going to somebody's garage or everybody works at the grocery store. Everybody works at the clinic. Everybody. Just all of them They're do. all applying at the grocery store. <laughs> they oh all just God. want to be out. I feel so like you, know, you guys, I mean, what we hear in Nashville is you guys are, are, are way stuck. Like we felt like we were stuck inside, but you guys... You guys are like another level. Well, there is reality and there's perceived reality, I think is the, the problem <laughs> sure. we're running into during COVID. I think yeah. there's the reality that 90,000 people died in January just in the United States of America. And then there's the perceived reality that ah, it's not that bad, you know? And I think uh, Los Angeles <laughs> right. is, it airs, if it's going to air on one side or the other, especially Los Angeles, because Southern California itself doesn't even, it's not the same place. California, I've lived here for 11 years. And if I've learned one thing about California, is it's just as redneck as anybody else. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing special about California that keeps it from this being country. It, being, it is. It, 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 it is. Just, that's, a, that's a reality. But L.A. in particular is uh, if it's going to air one way or the other, it's going to air on the side of the whole world's dying. Everybody stop. So, yes, we're mm-hmm. really stuck. We are. Yeah. Like, like we had a friend like, the other day. Everybody takes such care. Double masks. Goes crazy. Uh, we had a friend that hasn't gone anywhere. They've been ordering in their groceries, and they went to Trader Joe's once in three months, one time. And I kid you not, they got COVID at Trader Joe's that one no, time. No, yeah. no, no, no. So I think there's a high-level paranoia. Right. I think, I think it's, yes, we are very stuck. Yeah. Well, so, so, so watch, the, watch me transition here, Abner. Yes. This is going to be a flex, and this is where I am going to use my talent. Let's go. Um, speaking of being stuck, it seems to me, that you and your prodigiously gifted wife, yes. both of you, have, have been anything but unstuck. I'm, I mean, I got sent, we call these your brag sheets, you know, like Ooh. this is like, check us out and how, how great we are. Lord. Um, but I mean, it's crazy looking at the stuff you guys have done during this time. I mean, you know, y'all have done these live streams, which have just been like slam chowder. I mean, it looks like you're just, you know, putting, putting COVID in a headlock and saying, <laughs> you know what, we see you. But we're going to have these backyard live streams yes. that are going to gather immense amounts of talent and immense amounts of streams. Um, and it looks like, too, which I really agree with you. I mean, John and I, John had to come off the road. You know, how, how many shows did you play when you had, had to come home last uh, March, John? I was six. I was two shows in. Two, okay. Wow. Actually, we, um, it was the day that the day I came off the road was the day that we were supposed to meet in Waco. Oh, to do and the play yeah f- for yeah at uh, the silos yeah come on yeah. silos come on silos uh, come sad. on the silos <laughs> but I mean it it it's Abner it's amazing what so so for the for the listeners um, who don't immediately spot the golden voice yeah um, Abner is in a band with his beautiful wonderful wife called Johnny Swim 
And I mean, it's crazy what you guys had, like John, I mean, you guys were sort of gearing up for this, looking at this, this is crazy this year that was going to be like the year to end all years. Yeah, dude, it was um, going to yeah. be, uh, it turned out to be that, just that, actually. But <laughs> in the wrong direction. It came true. We, uh, we were going, Amanda and I do this thing every January. We get together, well, we live together, but we make a point to leave the kids with somebody, <laughs> and we go to a coffee shop, and we dream about the year ahead of us. Wow. And we set oh, goals. Cool. And we write down the goals for you. And we've done it for, for since we've been married, like 12 years. Can y'all do that and make goals for other people too? For okay. sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, we'll sell okay. it for 50 bucks. <laughs> Zoom call, two minutes long. <laughs> oh, coaching. Just, uh, all right, so this year for you, you don't even know my name. I know, but this year for you is going to be spectacular. You. And I remember we were setting our goals in January of 2020 for the year ahead of us. And it was supposed to be the busiest year of our lives. We had two TV shows that we were filming. One of them was already filmed, one we were going to film, that were going to come out, a book that was going to come out, the biggest tour of our lives, our first ever arena tour, um, an album, a Christmas tour, a Christmas special. Just, it was going to be the wildest, wildest year, and all of our plans stopped on March 13th. March 12th mm-hmm. was the last show we played. And I remember we, uh, the theme, and you know, we, we pray about it. We, we really try to hear if there's, if there's a, a supernatural voice that is telling us, that is guiding us, that's giving us, we hope for a word to hold on to. And it's been pretty consistent that there has been a theme out of these couple of weeks of prayer and, and, and thinking about it and meditating on the year coming ahead. It sounds, it sounds deeper than it is. It's a lot of hope and a lot of listening. And uh, the theme for, this, for 2020 was go slow to go fast, was something that we wow. both had in different, word, in different terms, but that's the kind of the slogan we went with. Go slow to go fast. It was supposed to be the busiest year, but don't get caught up in all the things blurring by. Lock wow. in even more on family. Mm-hmm. Lock in even more on us. What are our? We have a few key things that in whatever we do, whether it's writing a book, doing a TV show, making an album, touring, we have a few things that we don't break from. Honesty, family, time, togetherness. These are things that everything has to go through that, right? Nothing. The rules don't change depending on what stage we're on or what thing we're doing. And all of it was going to be filtered through move slow to go fast. And we thought that was going to look like a blur of a year, TV stuff. We were supposed to be doing all the late night stuff for, we had hopes to do interviews and performance, which is always like, it's the musician's version of what used to be like to be a comedian Carson, right? If you were a comedian on right. Carson, the home run was you do your bit for 90 seconds and then he asks you to sit down. Yeah. And so I think the musician version of that is to, job. oh, come here and say hi, babe. What are you doing? <gasps> hey, it's called Dadville. Get out of here. I know. I have to bring him his green juice so that he lives forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> so that he lives forever. And uh, whatever, man. We had all these plans. It all stopped on March 13th, but that theme was still correct. And it, 2020 was the most productive year we've ever had, and we never were really on stage the way we planned to be. But it was the most productive year we've had. We still filmed our two TV shows. We released. Wow. They didn't release that year, but one releases now, and another one will release in the summer. Um, and it was still, that theme still was right. Go slow to go fast. We just went way yeah. slower than we thought we were going to. <laughs> Ways. So have y'all got your so, theme for this year that? Oh, no. Sorry. It's my internet. It's my internet. It was good. I heard so. Come back to me. Say it again. Okay, good. So I, I edit out. I sort of take my curse words out so that I just do a <clears> natural <throat> editing when I say things. You don't have to hear it. So do y'all have a theme for this year yet? Babe, do we have a theme for this year? I really can't remember. It's That's so early thing. in the year. Why did I forget? Crazy. I really can't remember. This year we couldn't go to a coffee shop, so we went to the beach, and that felt great. 
<laughs> we sat at Point Magoo. Have you guys been to Point Magoo in Malibu? It's actually Ventura, like you the north end of Malibu. Up. It's this huge rock, and you could park next to it and just look over the ocean. So wait, that's not Point. Uh, I used to live in Malibu, my wife and I. Point I call Doom? it Magoo. No, well, it's past Point Doom. Or maybe okay. it's south of Point Doom. Point Magoo is right at the beginning of Ventura. Like right at the uh, names that like past Zuma it had to be John like Magoo. Go, oh, it's maybe because there's a whole okay. there's a national park next to it called uh, Park Magoo Point Magoo M U G U. I just say Magoo. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe it's Magoo. Oh, it's Maju. It's Maju. What's Maju? Pointe Maju. Dude, no, I can't remember my theme. The theme we have for this year. So that's a fail. So so I mean, it just it just feels like it feels like I mean, you guys have this crazy cool thing happening with is it the magnolia network is that right that's exactly right the home on the road show i mean it just feels like everything at johnny swim is is just taking off into the stratosphere oh that's incredibly kind of you to say it's it's really amazing i mean uh how are you feeling about all that like i mean obviously so much work has been put into where you guys are but like knowing that everything seems to be sort of like queued up to you know, go fast to go fast. How is that? How is that? How is that feeling? Great question, man. How how do you, how honest are we on this thing? I don't know. I, I don't we understand the precedent. Outside of getting yourself arrested, we're that. Honest. <laughs> yeah. So this one time, I shot a guy. Just kidding, I did not. Um, dude, it's it's it doesn't feel like. I'll be perfectly honest. I think the pitch would be, if I was really trying to pitch, I'd be like, yeah, man, it's gonna be the best year ever. It'll be amazing. Oh God, stop calling me, people. My ears are on. Oh, and um, isn't that the worst thing? Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm going to put it on Do Not Disturb. It doesn't... All right, perfect honesty. It doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like, oh, here we go. You got the, you know, run the nine route. Run the... <laughs> I was a really bad quarterback, so I have plenty of sports analogies. I'll come back to that later. It doesn't feel like, all right, full speed sprint, throwing the ball as deep as you can. It doesn't feel like that. What it right. really feels like, if I'm being honest, is it feels like a lot of opportunities to fail. Wow. There's like a lot of ways to let people down, whether wow. it's Chip and Joanna, who are dear friends of ours and have risked themselves and their money behind us on these two TV shows they've given us when we've never, mm-hmm. we've never proven ourselves to be ourselves to be successful on television. Mm-hmm. And they've given us not just one, but two shows and potentially a third one in the works. It feels, it feels humbling. We're releasing a book this year. We've never, we're not proven authors. It's a book about our lives. And like photos from the road and stuff. Who cares? I think. Like I read, I proofread the book recently, and I was like, I don't even like this guy anymore. Why did I even start reading this? Like, what's the? So it just it feels like a lot of potential embarrassment, a lot of potential, a lot of potential to fail. But we only know one speed. I'll tell you this: we spent so much of our lives, and I think any working musician, any person working entertainment, probably has a similar story. We felt like so much of our early career, in our marriage and our dating time. When it came to career, it was just red lights. I remember we'd meet with a label guy and we'd, you know, God, you know, you remember that one of those first label meetings you'd go to or one of those first, it could have been a manager, a lawyer, just that eagle that was going to swoop you up and take you to the mountaintop. And you're nervous about the meeting for three weeks. What am I going to wear? Did I shower? Do I not shower? Did I brush my teeth enough? Do I need to brush my teeth again just to make sure? Like so nervous for that first meeting there. I remember, I'll never forget our first one together. So you're a couple and you're a band. Yeah. Yes, sir. We are. What are you, Sonny and Cher? (laughs) <laughs> no, we're not Sonny and Cher. Well, nobody's doing duos. You guys should just be solo artists. Come back later. You want something to eat? And that was the music talk. And then we got some lunch. And that was the end of it. And it never went anywhere. It felt When we were in Nashville, it really felt like we were spinning our wheels a lot. 
it, when we first moved to LA, our first show in LA was in front of seven people at Hotel Cafe. And that wasn't even, you know, that was a decade ago, but not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, and then all of a sudden you get to a point, and this is the point right now. Uh, you turn a corner, like you're driving to Manhattan. So many analogies, Ramirez. Calm down. But this really works. You're a songwriter. You can't help it. I know. And a, and a pastor's kid. Um, you're driving through New York City, and if you catch one red light, you catch them all. You're in Red Light City. That's where you are. But then there's this magic moment where you turn a corner, and for as far as the eye can see, every light just turned green, and you're not going to stop for like 30 blocks. You're not gonna, you could mm-hmm. drive the whole island, basically, on green lights. It feels like this point in our careers, it's all green lights. And as mm-hmm. exciting as that is, and it is very exciting, it's way better than red lights, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Because we've always bet on ourselves being honest, being our true selves, not faking it, not just trying to be cool, not, not doing like whatever's happening right now musically, just being ourselves. It feels really like exposing. And every green light now is an opportunity to just be like a um, complete failure. So we are excited about TV. We've, we've poured our heart into the two shows we've made. We're excited about the albums we're making. We, we have a song coming out on a, on a Netflix soundtrack for this thing that's really cool. All these things. We're really proud of it all, and we're very aware that any one of them could fail. But the great thing for us is there's not one thing we do where we're faking it. There's not one thing we're doing that we're trying to be something we're not. Now we find out if yeah. that's enough. <laughs> hey, can I tell you that it is, no yeah. matter what they say? Thank you, sir. So last March, when everything shut down, you know, like Dave said, I was on the road. And, I mean, in my own little world, like, I had never had a calendar like I had in 2020. Like, March of 2020, normally summers are super light for me, and I do heavy touring in the fall and Christmas tours and stuff like that. And I, I had never had anything lined up that good. I yeah. felt like it was like I've worked for this. I've I've hit the red lights. This is my this green is my like moment. boulevard of unbroken green lights. That's great. <laughs> and so side note, rare. I'm always I'm always worried about money. Like money is my thing. Yeah. Being like an independent musician in 2020 last year, I'm just like you're always staring into the, the black abyss of unemployment, right? Yeah. And so when well, those of you want to be singer songwriters, think about that. <laughs> but call us a dad bill if you need any advice. <laughs> oh Lord! <clears throat> um, so when everything shut down, it was this crazy kind of like like my nightmare yeah. came true, yeah. where literally every single date on the books was gone. Yeah. You know, and it sort of had this crazy sort of like baptism of fire kind of effect on me where where now going forward i've i've experienced that on some level now i don't mean to like you know paint myself in in a wrong light here like i i had it fine i wasn't like starving or anything like that but my 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 nightmare came true yeah and i came out on the other side so what was that experience like for you guys i mean you're literally in an arena on the biggest tour yeah of your life. life yeah and what was it like for night. you? And and what are you doing? Like, how are you going into 2021 now that that you don't think that you would have gone in had that not happened? You know mm. what I mean? It's a great cue. It's Guys, this is podcast. fun. You're asking great, great questions. Podcast. Like you've been asked some before. This is a solid podcast, gentlemen. <laughs> the best, even. Is this the best <laughs> podcast? <laughs> so Guys, far. we did it. Yeah. 
We did. This is the recording? best podcast. I'm in At it now. Dadville, it hosted by us three. Podcast. March 12th, we were on stage in Grand Rapids, Michigan. March 11th, we were in Dallas at the American Airlines Arena. Both shows sold out. I can't remember the exact numbers, but, you know, tens of thousands of people. We were, we were fighting the good fight. We were winning in ways we'd never imagined. We, we had imagined, but we'd never seen wins before. Mm -hmm. We do this off-the-mic thing. We've been doing it since Hotel Cafe, since uh, playing at Sambuca for four hours, which is something we did in Nashville. I don't oh even know gosh. if Sambuca is still there. We'd play cover songs for four hours while people were eating. Just... Um, we go out into the crowd and we're singing, you know, one of our songs called home and, you know, 13,000 people and we're off the mic and we're like screaming and people are responding and people feel the risk and you really yeah. get this sense, God, this is what I was born for. And it's so fulfilling in the best ways and in the worst ways. Cause it can make you a selfish asshole too. Um, uh, can I say asshole? Sorry. Butthole <laughs> can make you a selfish douchebag. Um, yeah, just give us some options for posts. Uh, and it, you know, it can make you a selfish douchebag. I, uh, in Grand Rapids, before we go on stage, we get a call. And it's, it's either great news or terrible news. When your management, your booking agent, and uh, tour manager are all on the phone. Yeah. And they ask you to come be a part of it. It's, it's only great news or bad news. <laughs> and at this point, we've been anticipating the COVID thing. We're shutting us down for a couple weeks, maybe. Anyways, mm -hmm. tour is done. That's the last night of tour. We thought for six weeks. Turned out to be the last night of tour for a year, at least. <laughs> And we got home, and I've always, guys, I talk way too much. I apologize. There's no such thing. Whew. We, uh, when we get home from tour, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but I think us more than like guys like us, even more so than the pop star kids or guys that folks that get real famous real fast, folks like us, where our bread and butter, our, our, you know, our night shift is playing for 12 people. And we can see those wins playing in front of 12 people. I remember the first time we played mm -hmm. Philadelphia in front of seven people, literally seven people in Philly, uh, Arts Underground, and it was a frozen day in the winter. I remember the win I got. I remember the two fans we made. And I'll never forget that moment. It was such a win. And no matter how much the crowd grows, you can still recognize a winning night and a losing night and all that stuff. And there's so much risk that goes into it. And you're pouring yourself out. You're being honest. And these are songs you wrote in your little guest room or, you know, at home, and, and now you're sharing it with folks, I'd come off the road and I'd get pretty depressed, like, legitimately. Like, legitimately, the post-tour blues. And I would, and I had to gain some habits. For me, it was baking. Um, I had to learn some things to put my hands to, even as a father. Because as a father, there's always the guilt. Why are you sad? Why do you feel like, why do you feel like your purpose is lost? You got your kids, man. Take care mm -hmm. of your kids. I love my kids. I've, yeah. uh, any any embellishment I could say is, is true. Die for him, kill for him, love him, work for him, rest for him, put my phone down for him, I'll, I'll do everything, right? But you still get depressed. You still get bummed. And so post-tour blues have been a thing for me for years. I get two days of kind of, yeah, I'm home, love my couch. Then day three is like, I hate my couch. I miss missing my couch. I miss missing my bed. Mm -hmm. uh, COVID and the shutdown that happened for us, March 13th was our last flight. It was, it hit severely real quick. And every month that came by seemed like it was going to be extended and extended to here we are almost a year later. And we still don't know when we're going to get back on tour. We don't know if it's going to be 2022 before tours are looking normal again. And it was a big moment for me of soul searching. And you asked, John, you said, what's, what's something you could take into this year or next year that you wouldn't have had without the experience of it? My whole life has been music since I was eight years old. This is the longest I've gone without being on stage since I was literally eight years old, singing at church. Wow. Uh, the, the longest time. 
And I had to kind of rediscover myself as a human, as a person, as a father, as a husband. Amanda and I were in therapy for a great part of this, and it's been one of the most beautiful parts of our marriage as we go into counseling. Not mm-hmm. out of some panic, red alert, pull the shoot, fix us thing, but out of, holy crap, we don't know each other in this environment that well. Because even dating, wow, yeah. we've been touring. Babies, yeah. we would take six weeks off, dude. We would come home a week before the due date. The baby would be five weeks old and get on an airplane and a tour bus. All three of our kids. The most time we've ever spent at home together is six, maybe eight weeks, full stop. Here we are almost a year in. So it, it, I had to, there was some serious soul searching in my marriage, as a man, as a father, as a musician. I think being able, having the great gift and opportunity of performing for folks, songs that we've created, bearing our souls to folks and finding simpatico, finding some kind of communion together in that shared moment has had to be lowered from the pedestal a bit. Where for me, for most of my life, it it was everything, everything. When I was eight, I knew I wanted to do this for a living. I knew I wanted to sing songs. Never had a plan B, never had a backup plan. I remember me and Amanda were dating and she said, well, what would you do if it doesn't work? You'd have to go get a day job. I said, babe, I'm never getting a day job. That's just a fact. Like I'll go sing on the corner if I have to. And I'm not proud of that, but that's, I really meant it. Hmm. What I've taken with it is a new sense of identity. There's, I've had to, my identity has been stripped from pr- the performer, Abner Ramirez, one third of Johnny Swim, because Amanda herself is two thirds. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've had to change, man. It's been like, uh, it's been like our own personal, <laughs> our own private war, to be honest. My own private yeah. war. That's so, too much. So, I can edit that down. Sorry. No, that's so interesting. <laughs> no. so, I mean, it's, so, it's so interesting that your identity, like you've been on that stage since you were eight. Yeah. I mean, that's been your thing. Mm-hmm. I followed you back then. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Johnny. Dave. COVID has made it an interesting year for musicians like mm-hmm. us, hasn't it? Yeah. Past year, we've really needed to make money work for us and not against us. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. That's why I'm so glad that I found Chime. Mm. Chime is an award-winning app and debit card with no hidden fees or monthly minimums. Chime has been great. It offers amazing benefits like fee-free overdraft on up to $100 in debit purchases with their program SpotMe. It's like overdraft protection, but better. And you can get your paycheck up to two days earlier with direct what? deposit. That's two days. That's 48 hours, Dave. My Uh-oh. math is correct. It is. There are no hidden fees or monthly minimums, no. plus 38,000 fee-free ATMs with MoneyPass and Visa Plus Alliance. Fee-free is fun to say. Fee-free. With the Chime app, you can turn on alerts to let you know when your card is used and instantly block your card if something seems fishy. But my favorite part is the save on autopilot. When you sign up for a Chime spending account, you can enroll in an optional savings account and grow your savings automatically with... 0.50% annual percentage yield. It's like 10 times the national average. Join the millions on Chime. Sign up takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score at all. Apply now at Chime.com slash Dadville. That's Chime.com slash Dadville. Hey, John, you know what? What? There's a first Chime for everything. Oh, hey. nailed it. Chime is a financial technology company. Banking services provided by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank in a member's FDICIC. Eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Overdraft only applies to debit card purchases. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $100 by Chime. Early direct deposit depends on the payer. Out-of-network cash withdrawals fees apply. Third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. Go to Chime.com slash dadville for details. 
So, so, so take us back that this is like a perfect little, uh, sidestep into, you know, the, the young Abner, the yeah. young AR. So, so where, where'd you grow up? What is the family life? Like what, what's the, what's the vibe? How did you get the passion for it? Like what's growing up in the, in the Ramirez family? Come on, man. Why are y'all getting me to tell you all my favorite stuff? All my favorite <laughs> stuff. How do I say this and not take an hour? My parents came from Cuba. They came in 1980. Communist Cuba, still communist, but it was bad, wow. bad in the 70s, right? My two sisters were born in the 70s. Well, oh, sorry. My two older sisters were born in Cuba. Because <laughs> they will listen to this. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, I'm trying not to that. tell you how old they are. <laughs> I was born like, in the U.S. <laughs> they were born in Cuba. You say that like they're listening like communists. You said that <laughs> under the guise of like, they're not listening to this for pleasure. They're listening to this for the fact check and to know this is finally when they take you out. Abner, you really shouldn't have said that. No, they've, they've never done that. They've never, they've never done that. My parents were in Cuba. My parents were born and raised in Cuba. My dad was a pastor. The, my dad was a high school dropout that wanted to go to seminary. The only reason he was allowed in a seminary, he went every day for two weeks, waited outside the headmaster's office, and whenever he saw him, asked for permission to join the seminary, and they always said no until one day. Wait, why no? Like, why can't you go Because to he was a high school dropout. There's just oh, no, he had okay. no qualifications to be admitted into, uh, why does it still say ready to go? I know it's ready to go. We're going. Um, he had no qualifications to get into seminary. He just loved Jesus. Wanted to be man, let me tell you one of the things that Jesus cared about with his disciples. <laughs> Qualifications was big. That was high. That was high. So you're saying you've just fished as a you're only a fisher. Okay. Well, that's so not gonna only work. got one thing under occupation. Was there any schooling there? Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing Peter, a gap here. Or is that a, Dude, so literally the communist government came up with a bus. The number one enemy of the state in Cuba and communist governments typically is organized belief. Uh, oh, and wow. any leaders of organized religion or belief system are targeted. They want to bring you in. They want you to be. I'm playing with my daughter's hair tie as I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. They want you guys to be part of the go. communist team. Okay. Follow all our rules. Do what we say. And so apparently this school wasn't doing a good job of putting out students that were abiding by all the communist rules. So they came one day with a bus and arrested the entire senior class. Put them all into a labor camp where you would work sugar cane fields. You'd work in a mine. You'd work wherever they put you. Um, for years with no determined time, no determined amount of time for oh. anybody that you'd be there. Is your dad married yet? That's crazy. No, he's At young. that point, he's my, just... my dad was not. He was dating my mom. Okay. And okay. so that day, dad goes to the, the uh, headmaster's office of the seminary and says, uh, looks like you need some students. I'm here to be taught. And so you that's how my dad was accepted in the seminary. My dad, uh, this is all to ask how the, the pa where the passion came from, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. I want to stay on target, though. <laughs> You're doing great. Because I'll just talk. Um, fast forward, my dad is pastoring three churches in Cuba, one in Havana, one in Matanzas, and one in uh, something Rio, some, some riverside community. Something. Wait, can you Rio. say that again one more time? Rio. <laughs> uh, La Habana, Matanzas, and something Rio. It's something river is the name can, of the town. Can we open river. a Mexican restaurant called <laughs> Something Rio? <laughs> something Rio. <laughs> and it's, uh, and it, in parentheses, it says real. Like, that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> We're all just looking for something real. We're just looking for something real. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the government passed this law as they would. They passed these laws as what a pastor can say, can't say what you can say, just as a, as a person. Jeez. Um, yeah. Anyway. And so they passed this one law that you could not say that Castro needs Jesus to go to heaven. 
Wow. Uh, because that would say, that would mean that he wasn't all powerful. He wasn't whatever. That was the big law. That day, mm. on across the front of the biggest church my dad was pastoring at the time in Havana, he put up a sign that said, "If Fidel doesn't repent and receive Jesus, he'll burn in hell forever." Shots. Shots. Big time fire. Fired. So he had Holy a big gathering cow. that day. A lot of people. My dad was always very bold, very outspoken. So much so that he gained so a pretty unlike solid. Like him in that way. Big time. I, I don't know where I don't know where that went. Um, <laughs> he uh, he was too big a target to just kill outright or arrest and kill. He would motivate too many people, even if they didn't kill him. If they at that point took him and sent him to a labor camp, they were concerned about it being kind of a like a martyrdom wow. and that it would wow. cause more trouble than it would fix. So they tried to kill him uh, silently. They would try to hit him with cars on the side of the road. You'd see a military vehicle come off the side of the road while he's walking my sisters. Um, they would send people oh. into the church to lie about him to the parishioners. Other pastors would do the same thing. They would repeat his sermon with the style and everything. They'd all get sent to labor camps and arrested, put in not just labor camp, but jail, because at that point you're breaking the law. Uh, fast forward, Jimmy Carter, the guy. Let's hashtag bring back Jimmy Carter's uh, solar hashtag panels to the White House. Man of the peanuts. Man of the peanuts. Jimmy Carter saw what was going on in Cuba as a whole and said, we're going to receive anybody from Cuba that has family here. We're going to take them. So 100,000 Cubans came, my mom, my dad, my two sisters, into his dying day, his biggest mistake, my father said, uh, his mother-in-law came from Cuba. Literally, he said to his dying day, the biggest mistake he ever made in his life was getting his mother-in-law out of Cuba. Um, that's a fact, too. Well, your we, uh, dad is the king of the shots fired, man. Yeah. That's true. Like, That's true. He would paint that in front of the house every yeah, Christmas. Honest. Man, they got here. They got to. They got to the United States. Nothing but the shirt they're wearing. Not a change of clothes. Not literally a dollar. Uh, they had set up a program at the time where they would the the, the government had given ten thousand dollars to sponsor families to use to help the families that came in that they're sponsoring to get jobs, to get a suit, to get an apartment, yada yada. And what happened, just like it did in Katrina and a lot of other things like that. Katrina is the one that comes to mind the most. Is the sponsor families would dip. They would take the 10 grand and just bounce, never to be heard of, never met up. So, mm. leaving the people that were the refugees high and dry. So, my family was one of the ones that were left high and dry, nothing to have, oh. or whatever. Long story short, my dad becomes a pastor. Wait, so wh where is their, are they Miami? They were in, they were in Miami for a couple of days. The sponsor family was in Rochester, New York. So, the government flew them Jeez. to Rochester where nobody Yikes. met them. So, they lived in Rochester for a while. Then they moved down to Jacksonville where I was born. Uh, I remember, I'm going to fast forward a lot. This is where Amanda's so much better when she's with me because she'll just pinch me. Dude, this, this is fascinating. <laughs> no, no, no. You, so you, don't, don't, I'm already going to make a film out of it. Don't second guess yourself <laughs> here. Um, fast forward, I'm, I'm born in the States. I'm the only son. I'm go I get accepted. I go to art school for high school. My parents risk everything. They, they go to a great church, uh, old school Baptist church, man, where they had, uh, they had orchestras. You remember when churches used to have orchestras? Mm -hmm. And they'd do cantatas. Mm -hmm. cool wait, 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 wait! You, you skipped too much that we got. Okay, pause. I'll go back. What is your What do your parents do for work? What, so, so my dad became questions. a pastor at a Spanish speaking church in Rochester, and then a so church. That's in, what he does up there. That's what he did Cause, up there. Cause, yeah, because I mean, how do they assimilate into a complete? I mean, did they speak English? No, my dad didn't speak English till I did. Jeez, so you're you're wow. thinking you're thinking like ten years of living in America without speaking the language at all, and even when he spoke the language, my dad would try to talk to me in English. And I would just, Dad, let's just speak Spanish. This is hard. This is difficult. <laughs> and I can't imagine Rochester, New York, is the easiest place. Can you imagine to go going from the tropics of Cuba? No. Nope. Right. To winter until after Easter. So I mean, where did they live? Where did where did they know. live when they got? Because people just bounced. 
Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, I had an uncle that might have hooked him up, might have helped him, that had, that had uh, fled to Spain in the 70s and got to the U.S. And he was one of the ones that helped get them into the into Cuba. Into so the he US. Was, that's what I was going to ask. So he was okay. the family that they could say we have exactly. family. Okay, exactly. Okay. He was a janitor. I think he was a janitor at a college. Maybe, maybe University of Rochester. I, don't, I could be making that up. But he had some kind of job. Okay. I know he was a janitor in Cuba. There's so much to the Cuba story, y'all. There's so much to it. Uh, there's just so much to it. Um, then my dad gets a job offer at a Spanish-speaking church in Jacksonville. Okay. So the Baptist seminary, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, had honored his Baptist seminary oh, wow. studies yeah. in Havana. And so they, they assisted. So as much as I could, as much as I like to dunk on uh, SBC, Southern Baptist Convention these days, they were really good to my family when we got here from Cuba. Mm-hmm. When they got here from Cuba. Gave him a job in Jacksonville, pastoring a Spanish church, and that was, that was it. Mom got a job at a bank um, translating or something. Mom, mom picked up the language really quickly. Dad did not. Uh, they were there. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Fast forward to high school. Dad gets me. I, I get into this art school that I had no business getting into as a junior. But part of the reason was the church I grew up in had this orchestra, and they didn't have enough string players. And so they'd offered free lessons and rentals for three years to any kids that wanted to learn violin. And uh, I started playing violin at seven. And, I pl- and it got me actually a college scholarship. Uh, Dang. I played it up until recently. Now, now it doesn't pay enough. But <laughs> <clears throat> my asthma's killing me. Sorry, y'all. I'm taking all these deep breaths. My allergies are going nuts. It gets, turns to, it's 50. It rained the other day. That's a once in a hundred day scenario in LA. My allergies are It's the end of days out there. Yeah. It's 50 degrees and it rained a week ago. How does it, does it get worse? Rochester? <laughs> what, um, is, what is this Rochester? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I get into this art school, graduate high school, and I, I get some scholarship money to Florida State and to some local colleges, and I really didn't want to stay in Florida because it just felt like a trap. I knew, like I was saying since I was eight, that I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to sing. I wanted to write songs. Um, Can I ask a, a question please, real quick? Please. So I grew up doing classical piano come on so we we both grew up doing uh suzuki music. method bro what's that suzuki method no I, I, th- I feel like i was slightly too old for that ah gotcha. like that happened maybe after i'd already mm. got on a different track but so we both grew up playing music that's not necessarily like you, you're not necessarily busting out the violin no at the overnight with <laughs> your friends no so i kind of had this you know, when you're seven or eight, which I started playing when I was super young too, everybody takes piano lessons. It's kind of, it's fine. And then you get older and you're trying to be cool. And now music becomes this thing that I'm, I'm hiding. I, I do it when I get home, but I don't right. bring it to school kind of thing. What, right. what was that for you? Was, were you the music guy or was that something that you had to kind of keep under wraps? I was always the music guy, man. Back when I was in uh, like freshman year, maybe even middle school, eighth grade or whatever. The uh, Cademan's Call was big, like the kind of real, mm-hmm. there's a resurgence of it, of it now, the Americana, really acoustic sounding thing in worship. And I remember they needed, they asked me to play violin in the worship band for the youth group when I was like in eighth grade or something. And that was, that was it for me. That was the uh, being on stage with everybody as opposed to just being in the pit. Because I ended up playing like the youth orchestra of Jacksonville. Like violin was really oh, good to me. And, and I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be playing music if my mom didn't force me to take violin lessons. That's just a fact. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up going to an art school in Jacksonville, Florida, Douglas Anderson School of the Arts, it, that, and that changed my life, because it was at DA that I realized, it was the first time I'd ever heard, I mean, I grew up in the South, man. I grew up 
West Side of Jacksonville, right? Marietta. Wrote a song about it. It, uh, I've been in my adult life visiting my mom who still lives there. I've been chased by guys in pickup trucks with, uh, with rebel flags hanging from the back through my neighborhood. Because as a person of color, what are you doing in Marietta? Why are you in our neighborhood? Mm. I've been told by deacons at my church it's okay to have black friends, just don't have inward friends. Um, oh, I've wow. been told, like, it's like South South, right? Like Robert E. Lee High School. Uh, oh, my gosh. For real? Yeah. Oh, big time. Robert E. Lee was in, that was my neighborhood school. Uh, still will. Well, all, all wow. you know, Civil War Southern Army generals were all the schools, all the statues, all the everything. Um, so the advice I got when I was a kid, when I would say to somebody, like a mentor at church, and I'd be like, you know, one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play songs. One day I'm going to do that for a living, even like as a teenager. I'll never forget this one guy, a, a, a mentor of mine, a leader at the church. Well, Abner, let me give you this quarter. Literally handed me a quarter. He said, because one day you're going to be homeless. And you're going to remember all those people that told you, yeah, sure, you could do anything you want. You could be anything you want to be. But you won't. And you'll need to call somebody. So take this quarter. You call me, I'll pick you up when you're homeless. And that was his great oh advice. Oh, my gosh. Douglas Anderson School That's, of the Arts was the first place I ever went that told me you could accomplish if you worked hard enough, if you were talented enough, and if you were just freaking stubborn enough. You, you could make a living playing music in whatever way that was, in whatever art form you had. You could make it. And that was the theme being raised by my parents. So I'll fast forward. I graduate that high school. Now I'm burning up that I, I have to be a performer. I have to write songs. I've got something I love and I have an opportunity to do it with my life. I don't know where that opportunity is, but being born in America is enough of an opportunity to go find it. Uh, I'm walking out of Florida State University orchestra orientation a week before school starts, before I'm supposed to start at FSU, 18 years old. And I hated it. Like, I love FSU. They're really good to me. It was just wrong for me. And I remember walking out, me and my dad, we drove from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. And I remember being, it, it just, it was wrong. And dad's saying, what's wrong? And I was like, it's just not for me. I don't want to be an orchestra. I don't, I know what I want. And Tallahassee is not going to be for me. I just don't foresee that being what gets me to where I want to be. And he's like, well, son, we didn't risk. He said, we didn't risk everything for you to settle. We didn't wow. risk our lives. Mm -hmm. We didn't risk your sister's lives, Oliver, for you just to take an easy way. Where do you need to be to accomplish what you want to accomplish? So, well, Jeez, the way Louise. I see it, I either need to be in New York, L.A., or Nashville. He's like, well, we can't afford New York or L.A. We could barely afford Nashville, so you're going there. So, literally, we found a school, Trevecca Nazarene University. The day of freshmen moving in, my dad drove me to Trevecca Nazarene University, a nine-hour drive from Jacksonville, Florida. And we met with the head of uh, admissions. And there was a guy... I remember calling on the way, being like, so do you guys have a music scene? Like, is there anybody there? Da, 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 whatever. And there was this guy, I don't know if you know him, Michael Logan, songwriter in Nashville. Uh, he happened to be walking through the admissions office. We're talking, dude, 20 years ago. 19 years ago. And uh, they were like, well, you know, Mike, Michael Longenecker's here. That's his real name, Michael Longenecker. Mike, Mike, talk to him. And I remember getting this really encouraging conversation from Mike. Nashville's going to be great for songwriters. It's great for songwriters. If you want to grow, if you want to make a career, you could do it. It's hard. Nobody's saying it's easy, but there's a chance. And that's, he never gets that loud. That was louder than Mike's ever been in his whole life. <laughs> but essentially, that's what I, I heard, you know? Yeah. And so I get to Nashville, and my, my dad gets a meeting with admissions, and they're like, okay, so for the next school year? He's like, no, for tomorrow. I want him to move in today. Well, that's not possible, sir. Da, da, da. My dad worked his magic. I got accepted into school, into Trevecanizer University that day. I moved in that night. And my parents shipped me my clothes. Wow. And my dad, as he was pulling off in, you know, that, that 
famous red, because I feel like everybody had it, that maroon red Dodge Caravan. After the season of white Dodge Caravans, there was like this mm-hmm. maroon red Dodge Caravan season. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was driving off back to Jacksonville after dropping me off that day, right? At Trevecca, and I was moving into my dorm, and all just in a blur. He looks at me, says, son, and my dad, my dad had a flair for the dramatic, but he meant it. He was crying when he said it. He's like, son, don't come home till your dreams come true. Wow. And that was his parting word to me, and he drove away. He called me five minutes later, sobbing. You know, you know, you can come home anytime you want. I didn't mean, I didn't mean don't come home. I just mean don't give up. Don't settle. Mijo, mijo, mijo. You know what I mean, mijo, mijo. You get it. You get it. Do you remember how you felt when he said that? Man, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, it wasn't even a shock. It was, it felt like a catapult. Yeah. It felt like. Because it's, because it's like a blessing. That's it. That's really what it was. But it's also like, you know, you could hear two different parts of that phrase. You could hear the don't come home. Yeah. Or you could hear the till your dreams come true. Yeah. And I knew what he meant, but he clarified with with that call after. Yeah. But it was permission. Let me, let me ask this, uh. What is it like growing? Like, what is the Cuban way of life? Like, if you think about your family, I mean, your dad's passionate. It sounds like you know your mom who took to English quickly. I mean, there's there's some points of reference there. But what what does that look like for those of us who don't know that world that well? What is it like? What would you say that that sort of family dynamic is like? I remember once we were on a youth trip in Miami. We were we were serving in my youth group at this like underprivileged community in South Florida. We had a bus full of high schoolers, like not a tour bus where you could fit 15 people, like a bus bus, right? Like a sports bus where you could fit 50. And I remember we were getting done early on a Thursday afternoon in this underserved community that we were, we were working at. I was probably 16, 17 years old. And I, I said, hey, my aunt and uncle live nearby. We should all go to their house for dinner. And I remember the youth pastor kind of laughed at me. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. I called my uncle. I was like, hey, uh, can, you have, can you have dinner for me and some of my friends tonight? He's like, yeah, how many are Quote, you? some of my friends. Uh-huh. And he said, how many do you got? I was like, I said, 50. He's like, all right, be here at seven. <laughs> On a day's notice, they cooked for no life, 50 teenagers. We pulled the bus up in front of their little house in Miami, and they fed all of them, and they wouldn't take a dollar from the youth pastors that wanted to help. Oh, my goodness, thank you so much. They made a feast. My grandma cooked. My grandma's, like, cousin was cooking. Like, everybody that could cook. Every, like, people were bringing food from other houses. Abner's coming with all his friends. We got we to feed him. We got to feed him. That's amazing. To me, the Cuban experience is best summed up in community, family above all in community. There is this sense, especially coming from, my dad would always say this, if we weren't Cuban, we'd be Irish. Because there's a sense of this small community, small island of people that have been oppressed for so long that they found what they needed with each other. Mm, So the Cuban people, you go to a Cuban's house, you don't typically, if you invite a Cuban friend over, just know some other people are coming too. Like we're we're, we're, we're all coming. (laughs) There's this sense of community that no matter what's against us, the government can be against us. They could be shutting us down. They could be putting us in jail for no reason other than believing differently than they would like us to. We've got each other, yeah. and there's something there. Think about the music, Irish music. Think about Cuban music. There's this passion, this mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. It's songs filled with smiles. It's songs filled with sorrow. There's, uh, there's so, it's so alive. So the Cuban experience, primary, the primary thing I would say is community. The secondary thing wouldn't probably tied with it is it is alive. The music, the food. You don't come to a Cuban meal and see a bunch of beige food. It's colorful. Yeah. Just like the people. Spicy. It's not spicy the Cuban food, but it's gonna have it's gonna have flavors. It's gonna be a broad spectrum of flavors. 
It's going to have a broad spectrum of colors. It's, it looks beautiful. It's going to taste beautiful. The Cuban experience is so full of community and compassion. I, I don't think I've ever met a group of people more compassionate mm. and communal than Cuban folks. Is, is there sort of a posture that you, know, you, you, you think about? It's really fascinating. We just had uh, Sam Acho on who has his family is from Nigeria. Yeah. And he was saying like the Nigerian sort of parental unit is education is paramount. Like mm. it's all about like the, you know, we, we, we study, we, that's how we approach life is, you know, it, it, would you say, um, what's kind of the ideology for, a, for your parent? Like what I'll is see, the yeah, my family? I can tell you, uh, I, I won't speak for everybody's, but I know for sure in my house, purpose was paramount. Wow. You're here for a reason. You're not here for nothing. It doesn't matter if you make a dollar. It doesn't matter if you advance through whatever rung that you want to get to. That is secondary to doing what you were born mm-hmm. to do. That's how I was raised. Jeez. That could be one conversation you're supposed to have, a person you're supposed to help, compassion and kindness. Are you kidding me, man? My mom, if I, it wasn't even just talking back. If I wasn't kind to somebody that I didn't know, or if there was somebody that was clearly ailing or whatever, when I was 12, this is a, a side note. To, I guess it's a better example of what I'm trying to say. From the time I was 12, my parents would send me on mission trips by myself. I would go. They, they had a family in Guatemala that we knew. They'd send me there. They'd ask for a couple weeks in the summer. What's the best couple weeks in the summer for Abner to go? Uh, th- well, this week we have a medical team coming from Michigan, and we're going into the jungles, and we need a translator. All right, Abner's gone. They would put me on My first flight was by myself to Guatemala City. I got, I got in the car with the missionaries, and we went into the jungles of Guatemala. I remember we went to a place where they had never seen, they had never seen white people before. And uh, one of the doctors was redheaded. And I remember when he jumped out, the villagers, I'm not just talking the kids, <laughs> the villagers ran away screaming. From the time I was 12, the first and only time I ever translated for a birth, I was 13 years old in Guatemala. It was the next summer. And we were in, again, the jungles. And so they didn't even really speak Spanish. They spoke uh, uh, an indigenous dialect that I couldn't understand. They worshipped they worshiped this idol that they believed the spirit of Judas Iscariot lived in. And they honored him for having the, the uh, confidence to go against God or something. It was some weird, like, religious system. And I remember wow. this lady was giving birth. There was a, a, a native indigenous woman that spoke the Indian dialect the indigenous dialect and, uh, and Spanish. And then, so she would translate the screams of the lady from the, the dialect to Spanish to me. I would translate from Spanish to English to the doctor and the doctor would go back and would go this way. So I remember, uh, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? 13 ah! years old. <laughs> uh, it's not going so good. <laughs> I was 13 years old. I had my back turned. I had my back turned to the whole situation. Can you imagine a 13 year old seeing that? No, sir. Um, yeah, you are never getting anywhere near. So a that's woman, so to life. say, purpose is paramount. My parents would not allow me to live yeah. just a cozy coasting life. You will mm-hmm. find what you're on this yeah. earth for, not just for the sake of accomplishment. Again, it wasn't even that. It's that you're not an accident. You're not here by accident. We didn't get here. We didn't risk everything even to be here. And it's not just an accident that you're breathing alive. You have something to contribute. You have something mm-hmm. to give somebody. Yeah. So at all costs, give what you have to give. And that's the way they they taught me that as a child. Is I spent months every year, it started as weeks, turned into the whole summer, uh, translating for medical teams, for missions teams, for like evangelical crusades, all that stuff. Those, those were my first times on stage too, leading, uh, if it was an evangelical thing, they would have me do the music for the children in the villages. And so I'm like learning a few words in the indigenous languages oh, yeah. and adding it to, to popular Spanish songs that the band would know or that somebody that was with me 
Anyway, that is purpose crazy. was crazy. Can I just say, side note, that I am so I was when I was in my twenties, I was obsessed with wanting to learn yeah. French. Like I took French in high school. My sister can speak fluently, and I always wanted wow. to speak French. And I got like the um, yeah. Rosetta Stone. I would like wake up and go to the back lounge on the road and like put my little headset on and do my lessons. I'm and I've never I'm not fluent. I gave up, whatever. But I'm so I have so much respect for people who can translate like that. There's like this amazing Amy and I were in Ethiopia one time. And it was a similar situation where like we were in this village where they spoke this indigenous language. So one of our translators was translating like multiple yeah. languages or whatever. And and the guy from the village, he's speaking, and then he would translate, speaking, translate. And then he said this one phrase that he actually knew this phrase in English, the, indig- the guy who was in the village. But the translator didn't realize that he said it in he English. He translated it to the, the indigenous language? And he language. just repeated it oh, in no English. Way. That's awesome. And it was like this crazy moment where I'm, I'm like, that just goes to show you how like, That's awesome. magic. Trans- like... This ability that you guys have, and I feel so stupid Man. as an American that I don't have another First of language. All, you should. You know. um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember when me and Amanda were dating. Amanda's mom, world fame, it was a world famous singer performer. She was playing in yeah. somewhere in Europe. I want to say Zurich, but it wasn't. But it was something like that. A very international European city. Yeah, the night of night of the proms, I think it was called, and it was this insane event, really amazing. They were having it was Thanksgiving, and so the the host. The, there was a family that hosted them in this crazy mansion and they're having this big Thanksgiving dinner to honor, you know, the Americans that were there. And my mother-in-law said to the host, it was in Belgium. That's where it was. Uh, and they said, she said, you know, Amanda's dating this wonderful boy. He's Cuban. He speaks two languages like bragging. And they all kind of like chuckle and like look at her sideways. And she goes, what? He speaks two languages. Isn't that fabulous? They go, oh. Donna, we speak five. <laughs> No one here speaks just two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. They're like, oh, is he just started? Stop throwing your son-in-law under three? the bus. <laughs> Four. Oh, okay. He'll get there. Don't be. Oh, discouraged. he's a child. He'll I understand. Get, he'll get there. Is <laughs> there? You know, it's it's funny you bring that up because you know, um, you are uh, married to, as you said, your 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 beautiful wife has this crazy. You know, her mom was a superstar yeah, singer. Um, what I can't imagine how fascinating your origins, you know, your families are in juxtaposition. That, yeah. I, I'm sure there's similarities, I'm sure, because I think yeah. we tend to marry people who sort of speak our language familiarly Absolutely. a lot of time. But I mean, that that is, you know, you didn't marry another Cuban. You didn't even marry another immigrant. You I married, married a rich chick, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what, like what does that look parents. like? What does that look like in y'all's marriage? And how does that like? What are the relating points? And then what are the? I'm sure the points here. <laughs> obviously, your your you know dad who and you know who's preaching in a is not like a mom who's playing for thousands of people in Zurich, yeah, international you know, superstar in Antwerp. Yeah. Um. They, Donna passed a few years ago. Bruce mm. is still with us. Thank God. And he'll be with us for a long time. Uh, they Which I've heard have he's been, just awesome, by the way. He looks so good. It's almost annoying. How are you? <laughs> shut up. 74 looking better than me. Abner, you should really do Pilates. Shut up about Pilates. I'll do it when I'm old like you. <laughs> he looks better at 70. I think he's 74, 72. He looks better at 72 than he did at 50. And that's not, I'm not kidding. 
And that legit makes me kind of angry. Um, <laughs> they have been Bruce and Donna. Bruce is and Donna was the the dude. It's just so so inspiring, but not for the obvious reasons. They weren't at the mm-hmm. mountaintop saying, "Guys, the weather's great up here. You should really make your way up." Man, it's so good. It's so good to be successful. And that was never that was never a conversation that was had. I think it's best summed up with the story. <laughs> we're in New York. Donna was Donna and Bruce were staying at the Mark Hotel on the Upper East Side. Super fancy. We hotel. should say it's Donna Summer for those who have Donna Summer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No. Donna and Bruce was staying at the Mark Hotel. They invite me and Amanda to stay with them. We we had a show coming up in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, you, the little black box in Fairfield. You guys know that spot? I'm sure you played there. Did I freeze? No. There's a little black box theater that fits like 100 people in Fairfield. Anyway, Donna was doing a show in the city. I think it was an album release party or something. She was releasing releasing an album. And uh, you know we're staying at this big suite at the Mark. Everything's fancy. The party's fancy. Her release party's fancy. We're getting, you know, cars are picking us up. People are waiting outside for autographs from her. Um, it was awesome. All right, guys, we're gonna go. We're gonna go rent a car, and uh, go to Connecticut tonight. We got a show tomorrow. Yada yada. And Donna's like, "No, let me drive you. We'll drive you." And Amanda's like, "Mom, come on. Like, there's gonna be twelve people there. It's gonna be embarrassing. Everybody's gonna be freaked out that you're there. Like, let's just let's just not. We'll drive ourselves." And I'll never forget what they said. Donna, top of the world, sold over. She's literally sold over a hundred million albums. Good gracious! She uh, real. Beyonce just now surpassed Donna album sales, which is crazy. Jeez. So wow. like, anyways, biggest female artist on the planet, uh, for many many years. She looked at a man. She said, "Of course, I would rather see you now than see you when you play in front of an arena sold mm. out." Which which I haven't thought about since now. We we played sold out arenas. Um, I'd rather see you now, she said, because these are the good old days. You don't oh. get this back. Mm. You don't get this back. That's great. And sure enough, they drove us, and we, they told stories, and we had lunch, because they used to live nearby, near Fairfield. I mean, it would correct me. It's somewhere in Connecticut. I think it's Fairfield. And they, uh, yeah. like, it was never, it was just always so encouraging, but it's tough to, encouragement's not the right word. It was, like, nurturing. It was, it was molding. They're yeah. molding us as people, as artists, but not, you know, not like, oh, here's my famous producer that you're going to work with. Here's mm-hmm. like some people we know. Because they understood they mm-hmm. were dinosaurs trying to sell oil. You know what I mean? Like they, <laughs> th- that wasn't, they, even then, 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, they knew industries was, the industry was changing. Everything's going differently. So they knew that it maybe wasn't that big a deal to know some big label exec. And it really wouldn't have been and wasn't. Uh, but they, they had... Her parents and mine, I think simpatico is the word, simpatico. Mm. It's so, it, they're the, so the same and so different. Mm. The, the risk, purpose, the compassion and love, they never, like, never wished us to be famous, which we're not. But they never wished, man, one day you'll get so famous. Oh, one day you'll buy a house with this. One day you'll whatever. That was never the kind of stuff they said. I mean, that song's so good. Mm-hmm. You should be proud of that song. You guys did mm. so well last night at that show. You should be so proud. You're so proud. Do you see those people move? Do you see that people cry? Those folks crying in the back? You see that couple that walked in? They looked like they were arguing. I saw them. And that's the kind of stuff Donna would really say to us. I saw them arguing before they came in. They were, they were holding hands during the show. Like, that's the encouragement they gave us, you know? I remember we played yeah. uh, so many stories, y'all. I'll stop. I'm sorry. No, go. Please. Rockwood Music Hall. Uh, before mm-hmm. Stage zero used to be a bar. Mm. 
but I remember we played one of the first shows ever, Stage Zero. Maybe it was still a bar. I can't remember. There was no cover to get in. So, you know, Rockwood, New York City, uh, for guys like us, I think it's the bread and butter New York City visit, right? Like, you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're to play Rockwood. That's the, that's the one where they have, they like the piano, hoist yeah. the piano up. Oh, so you've had that right? happen. Yeah. We never played piano, stage. but that'd be, I've never even seen the claw. The claw comes out of the wall. It's a baby grand, right? I've never seen them do that's it. That's crazy. But yeah, I've seen it. We up played there. a show at stage yeah. zero. It fits like 50 people. Donna and Bruce were sitting in the front row. You play just for tips. And we finished our set. And I remember uh, Donna, Amanda's mom, grabbed the bucket, took out 100 bucks, and said, Y'all see this? Y'all see this? Y'all better follow suit. And she literally put $100 in the bucket and walked it around herself, mm. around the entire room <laughs> to collect tips, man. They always said that we reminded them I'll of bring themselves. Bring her out on the road with you. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't. Uh, I, am, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. The, uh, the lessons that I could learn from even a Bruce and Donna, especially with the career we have, I could never learn from my folks. Things mm. I've learned from my folks, I could never, Amanda could never have learned with hers. I'm, I just, I can't, mm. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm constantly overwhelmed with gratitude at how good a hand I've been dealt, mm. how lucky I am. How lucky I am to be me. How lucky I am to be married to Amanda. And there's been so much tragedy and so much sorrow. Mm. And it will never eclipse this sense of overwhelming gratitude. Mm. Man. Yeah. Come on, Abner. So, so how is that? Going, like, by the way, my face is looking crazy. Yeah, it looks, uh, I'm starting <laughs> to get nervous. I was like, I feel like <laughs> no, I'm tripping okay. right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, <laughs> so how, how does that, how do you feel like that affects how y'all feel about your kids? Oh, like, man. And how y'all parent, you know? Do y'all take those same things in or the things you're like, you know, you've chopped up a little bit or, you know? Man, that's a great question. I think as parents, it's, it's like I'm not real worried about we don't find ourselves being super concerned about the things that I think regular L.A. parents are concerned with. Hmm. Dude, before your kid's born, and this is a fact in L.A., before your kid's born, you're looking at high schools. You're looking at the schools you're going to get into. I'm pregnant now. All right, we got to start school search. And it's like a really meticulous thing. costs a lot of money takes a lot of time uh for us if our kids are near us that's going to be enough it's going to work mm. out we're going to be close to them we're going to be mm. near. We, we don't want to we don't see our life in two tracks we don't see mm. professional and personal mm. it's just life mm-hmm. our kids are along for the ride yeah. our son joaquin before he was two was on over 100 flights 48 states nine countries before his second birthday he turned one in tortola like it's just we don't there's, there's, that's just the best way to say it. There's not two tracks. It's just all at once. And that's yeah. how Amanda was raised. That's how I was raised. Mm. And if anything we've taken from our parents is that, is that there's not life and work. There's life. Mm. You know? And we, uh, yeah, man. It's funny. We have a, a new baby that's just turned one. And she started off her life on tour in this mega, like, arena tour. Sold out every night. And she hadn't, she's going to be different than the rest of them because the last nine months of her life, she ain't done nothing. She's been right here, <laughs> just chilling. She's going to be always one that's like, we got to leave again. <laughs> exactly. For real. Joaquin, our oldest, he's, yeah. he'll, he's about to be six in a week, two weeks. He's since over the last nine months, he's said a few times, dad, I miss home. I was like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about because we've been here too much. He's like, no, I miss the bus. When are we going oh, back? So wow. right when he, he sees COVID as being like this thing where the switch is just going to flip the other way at some point. As soon as COVID yeah. is over, we need to get on the bus and go back on tour. Okay? You promise? You promise? You promise? Wow. 
He's got his own, like, he knows his bunk. He's always in the same bunk now. Uh, Luna, our middle one, has always been in the same bunk. She's only toured a couple times, though. She's two. And our little one has only ever slept in a crib in the back. I mean, look, this is our studio. Like, we're all sitting in our studios at home. And this is very much real yeah, life. I love that you have that pack <laughs> yeah. and play back there. Because this is also the nursery for the baby. Because she sleeps in our closet during the day and in the studio at night. Because L.A. Amazing. is expensive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I can feel like... I can already feel myself having anxiety right now because I just have so much I want to ask you. I'm I'm such a big <laughs> fan. Seriously, and I'm I'm I've got too many questions, but one there's there is one thing that I just wanted to mm. say to you that has meant a lot to me. I feel like as a musician, you know, if when I think back on on all the mega artists and mega bands over the years, over my lifetime that have influenced my life. A lot of them, like the music was such a gift, but the more you find out about, you know, they're, you get the behind the music and all that kind of stuff, and you realize what a price their family mm. paid for sort of the gift that all of us got, you know? And it's such a uh, tragically classic story. And one of the things that I, I mean, I could know nothing about you guys and I would just love your music. Thank you. Um, but I love that, A, you guys are so transparent with everybody. Like your, your family life, like you're saying, there aren't two tracks. Like we get to see all that stuff. You kind of like, that's part of your art as mm. a couple, as a band, is mm. your family. And I just love that it, it like gives me hope as a musician who has a family who's doing this thing. I love seeing that. I, and I love that I'd like to think that it's a little bit of a change, um, you know, different than what it was in the 70s when your sisters yeah. were born. Um, maybe give me one minute. That like this is the new, you know, this is the new normal. Let's go, man. Maybe. And maybe it's not. But, but you guys are such a uh, shining light in that God, way that I just – Thank I you, man. I th we, were, we were talking. Uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines have become very dear friends of ours, and they're our bosses now mm -hmm. because we're on their network. Um, we were talking with them yesterday, and there's this thing they've done that we believe that we're a part of. And I, and I don't know how else to say it other than I, in my core, believe it's a move of God. I believe that for so long, you've had to choose between career and family, especially if you're in entertainment. It's a choice. Right. You have to choose one or the other. And maybe scientifically, maybe just mathematically, that's not true, but there's no evidence otherwise. So we're just going to all stay the same. And just like anything in life, it takes pioneers. It takes somebody to, to set a precedent to give you an example of what you can do for then you to take it and go further. Hmm. And I believe Chip and Joanna Gaines have been a, a, a spearhead in that move, if you will. I believe Steph and Aisha Curry have been a move, a spearhead in that move. And I believe we're, I believe we're a part of it. And more than, I'll tell you what, man. We get on stage, and we hope the same thing for our TV shows and our books and whatever. We don't just want people to like it or love it. We want people to find themselves in it. We want people to feel known and seen and know that there's something better for them, mm -hmm. something more, maybe, a, maybe just even refreshing for them, you know? And I, I really believe that we're moving into a time where people can understand that you don't have to choose between family and career, dreams. I really had this dream that I had to lay down, and it is an honorable thing, and I think... Mm. For some folks, maybe it is the only option. I really had to lay down my dream for my family, but I'm so grateful for my family. 
Yeah. We hope to be a part of the move that sets the example that both are possible, not just for the sake of purpose, not just for the sake of accomplishing something, right? But for the sake of that service, right. that your breath matters, that passion right. in your heart matters. It matters. It's, it's mm. got to help somebody. It's not there for no reason. Anyway, mm. thank you for saying that, man. Yeah. That's yeah. powerful. Well, and again, I have so many things I wanna, that I want to ask. Ask me, I'm, dude. I'm, I'm away from we can the just kids talk right all day. now, bro. Do you have any idea how great this is? You don't know what's happening. We've only been drinking on the weekends, and it starts on Friday. I'm about it's to grab Friday. a drink, and I'm away from the kids. <laughs> Ask me all the questions. Well, this next one is not a question. This is actually more of a, a bone that, I'm, that yes. I'd like to pick. Let's fight with you. I have two. There are two occasions in my life where something really tragic has happened really hard for me and you're involved in one of them uh you know that moment when you're writing a song <laughs> and you have struck Man, it's gold. somebody else's song <laughs> it's it's happened twice and i was telling dave about it earlier today i was on i was on the road this is 2019 i'm on the road and I, i'm in my green room and i start working on this new song and i love <laughs> this melody and I'm so excited. And I'm, I, I have, I'm on like my fifth voice memo with ideas on this melody. And I'm like, okay, that's so great. I'm going to take a break. I'm, I'm about to play the show. I hop in the shower. And then I realize I'm singing your song. I'm singing. I think it was Bridges. <laughs> that's awesome. And it just, it's just a gut punch, right? To, so I just want to <laughs> let you know, like, all, everything I've said to you is, is true. I really do believe it. But sometimes your music gets to the point where it's oh. too good and it starts to hurt your fans. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you're taking something from the rest of us. I started you're writing this song once called Humble Man. Us. I'm a humble man. Sure do wish I could be just a humble man. And that's, oh, not, uh, that's not my song. Yeah, yeah, that's not your song. On the road again. <laughs> just can't wait to get back I used to have this again. trick with Annie, and I still do it every now and then. John's heard me say this, but where I knew that if I couldn't figure it, I would, I would be working on a song and I'd be like, this just feels like something else. Like I, yeah. I'd just, I'd, I'd sit for 20 minutes like, God, what is it? What is it? I will purposefully go inside and I'll be like, hey, babe, can I play something for you? She's like, yeah, always. I'll play it for her. And then I'll hang out for about five minutes sort of in the, in the corners oh, of the room oh, oh, she's in brilliant. because she will naturally Start morph it the into the song that it is. Yeah. You know, and so it, it turned into this great trick where it'd be like, She's like, why are you following me? Nothing. Just do what you're doing. And then I'd eventually hear, you know, like, uh, yeah, on the road again. I'm like, did come at Willie it. Nelson. <laughs> I knew it. Willie did it better. <laughs> but it's tough because the, the good ones feel like you're stealing. Always, it. yeah. They feel like they already existed. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Okay, so classic I, story John Mayer said about writing, uh, 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 just feel, uh, still feel like your man. He's like, I know this is something. I know this is something. He was so many. He sent it to everybody. He's like, what song is this? What song is this? And he said, I'm still waiting, but I went ahead and recorded it anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll get Johnny. David. You know, I think it's the end of this COVID stuff, or at least it feels like it's in sight. I can see it, which makes mm -hmm. me want to say one, two, three. It's the end of the COVID it's stuff. It's, no, no, it may be possibly it's in sight. Which is great. I love that. But it's also going to be tricky coming back into the world again. I'm sure it's going to be overwhelming. No, I know. It's been nice to have an excuse to not have to be doing everything all the time. Amen. That's why coming out of this phase of life, I'm putting my mental and emotional health first. 
And that's why I think talk space is so important. For sure, trying to balance work, home, relationships, and everything else is challenging for everyone. Working with a therapist can give you that support that you're missing right now. Having someone to talk through your worries and help prioritize what's really important can work wonders. That's why I recommend Talkspace for therapy. You can sign up online and start therapy that same day. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist, so it's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your own home. Mm, I love that. Talkspace lets you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform 24-7. With Talkspace, you can set goals with your therapist and they can hold you accountable and make sure you're really progressing. Therapy can really shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and really be a guiding light. You know, I love Talkspace because it's really affordable, too. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy, and their therapist network has thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience and over 40 specialties, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, and so much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month of Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure you use the code DADVILLE to get $100 off your first month. That's DADVILLE and Talkspace.com. Dude, we'll just split the money. We'll figure it out in the meantime. So, so I think we'd be uh, remiss not to sort of at least give you, because uh, I think this is such a powerful part of y'all's story. Can so I mean, you are married to uh, your bandmate. Yep. You know, you guys do this thing together. Not only are you married and you do life together and you parent together, but you also do music together. I swear that you guys, you and the Holcombs, are just somehow like parallel universe people walking but accidentally here at the same time like Man, one of you yeah. was supposed to be sent to the other parallel universe but, you both <laughs> um, but like you know can you sort of speak to what that is like in a relationship when you know you're 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 always together you know you're you're doing these things together but there's not that moment where you're like all right i'll be back or she's like all right i'll be right. back you're like Okay, then you you know like you don't put the bottle. You gotta fit, and here we go. And now John is it too? Like, hey, and we're loving, we're in love. We're looking at each other passionately. <laughs> you know what? What is the dy- dynamics of not only parenting together, but singing together, but also parenting together and being together and yeah. sharing so much life. I mean, so much life is Everything. shared. Bro, I think we're built for it too. Like, I think I think there's some natural there's some natural things that have assisted us in being compatible for this journey we're on together we're both babies of the family so we both bend before we break that we're not Mm. really we don't spend a whole lot of time staying rigid on a even on an idea we can walk away from ideas we can walk away from things pretty easily we can Mm. which makes fighting better especially because she's so much smarter than me i don't know if you know this she was like magna cum laude at vanderbilt university pre-law so getting in a fight with amanda you better come with receipts some video evidence you better have it all to you can't just have a feeling if you have a feeling, just go, just go back to the couch. Don't come to Amanda with Receipts. a feeling. Yeah, no, everything. It's got to be there. No, on, on October 9th. No, because Amanda, and she also has a mind of a steel trap. So like you, like, babe, I don't know. This feels weird. She's like, oh, does it feel weird? Did it feel weird when you did it 10 years ago? I was like, oh my God. March 13th. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but we're both babies of the family. We both are, are pretty flexible as people. Uh, creatively, whatever. It's, it's. That's cool. I think there's some natural things that have happened. We love each other desperately. And so I think that you start to become different, right? If a stream can mold canyons, mm. love can surely change a man and a woman. 
Um, mm. I think we've we've become more, even more compatible. We're, I think we're in the happiest year of our life together, more than even when we were dating, and things are just wild and feel crazy. Um, so I think there's 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 some of that. But I will say that performing together for us has been some of the best therapy we've ever had, because mm. we will get in a fight backstage right before going on stage, and then you know there's this moment. Single spotlight, single mic, we're facing each other. She hates me right now. Maybe I'm pissed at her. Something. But now we're looking each other dead in the eye, singing about our great love. <laughs> and even if we don't feel it by the beginning of the song, something, and it, this happens 100 times out of 100, and I don't, I'm not trying to be Disney movie about this, or as my niece calls it, kiss at the end movie about it. 100 mm-hmm. times out of 100, things are different by the end of the song. They just are. Wow. I think it's a testament mm-hmm. to really loving each other. Beyond a circumstance, I think it's a testament to writing honest songs that you find yourself being like, oh, damn, yeah, I mean that. I mean that. I mean that about you. Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Reset. It helps yeah. reset us. I'll, I'll say I don't think it's for everybody. I, I don't know. I, it's definitely for us. I don't see solo albums in the future. Maybe there will be. I don't know. But I don't, I don't, I don't envision solo albums. I don't, uh, I don't envision we're living the life we, we want to. We're mm-hmm. doing today the thing we want to do yeah. today. The TV shows together, the book together. We're co-authors. We're co-TV uh, talent. We're co-writers, co-performers. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't know that I'm, I couldn't just say, hey, my life is exactly what you need. Because I'm sure it's not. I can guarantee you that. But uh, maybe it's not for everybody. But it is, certainly, it is certainly for us. One of the things that I think is so profound yeah. about y'all's relationship is any band that is together and has stayed together for longer than five years has to at least have respect. Mm. You know, like, I think if you look at any of the great bands that have ever stayed together, one of my favorite things about my friends in Lady A, who are, I love dearly, we had mm. dinner with them last night, it, it, it almost gets me emotional, which sounds really cheesy, but if you talk to any of those three people, between Dave, Charles, and Hillary, when they talk about each other, you would think that they are talking about, like, Superman. Oh, that's cool. You know, like, the way Charles talks about Dave takes it, 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 and, and you really realize that any band that really has longevity, there's this Aerosmith, it, it, literally any of these bands, you hear them in interviews and they have this weird like admiration. There's this mm. respect that has to be there, even in the meanest moments, the maddest moments, the you're an idiot. There's always yeah. this sort of thing at the bottom that's like, but you know what? I respect you. Yeah. You know, and I think so something that's always so fascinating to me about, you know, y'all, the Holcombs, any, any band um, that's a duo, that's a, that's a um a husband and wife you've got almost like a double heaping helping of this thing that makes marriages work which is the respect because mm. you know you can think of a lot of people that that um i mean and, and i've seen this couples that you know would date here in nashville because they do both do music yeah and they really love each other they respect each other but then one of the things that breaks them up is the guy is kind of like i just don't like her other girls like <laughs> i just don't love his music and they yeah. don't work a right. lot of times they don't work right. because they just can't get that other bridge of respect bill yeah and so i think one of the things that you guys have that's almost like a superpower is you not only have a respect mm. for each other as people you have a respect for each other as artists and and business people yeah. if you will it's sort of like a double it's like a double foundation almost you know heck yeah man i remember watching her mom perform at skirmerhorn she did some fundraiser at skirmerhorn and a bunch of famous people backstage, yada, yada. And I'm walking by with Amanda. And Donna, as she would, she would always brag about us. 
uh, whatever artists, it might have been Vince and Amy or something, were there and like, oh, this is my daughter Amanda. They, they knew Amanda, so it wasn't them. This is Amanda. She's in a band with her with her with her boyfriend at the time. And I remember the guy, I don't know who it was, turned to me and said, oh my goodness, so because it's kind of a rude question. How does her voice stand up to her mother's? He says to me in a backstage at the Skirmerhorn hallway. You know, everybody's walking through. How's her How's her voice compared to her mom's? I think he said. And everybody looks at me and go, it's better. It's way better. I don't, and to this day, I think that's true. I mean, maybe Donna, Amanda would argue that Donna's a better singer because she never heard Donna miss a note ever. Mm, mm. But I think Amanda's voice is the best. I don't, like, I don't think, and they, they laugh, like, oh, come on. I was like, I don't think it's close. I don't even, like, if they They're were like, racing. Why aren't you smiling? You're like, oh, this isn't a joke. I'm not trying to be funny. Like, Amanda's <laughs> better. Sorry. See ya. <laughs> like, it's not, no, she's insanely talented. And I think writing with her, Writing with her is always so crazy because she will, she will say something so to the point and so poetic that it's, it's like, have you just been sitting on that? Like, what'd you, what'd you do? We, we're writing this song called You Owe Me Big Time. Hopefully it makes the album. We haven't finished writing it yet. But You Owe Me Big Time is a song about this kind of, in this time of fake news and people having different information diets and subsequently seeing the world in drastically different ways. You have friends, for us, we have friends that think things that we never thought they would think, that believe the election was stolen, that believe, you know, all these kind of crazy things. And so You Owe Me Big Time is Amanda started writing really out of stream of consciousness. Like, I love you. You think I hate you, but I love you. And I'll be the one. So she wrote this line, uh, to you. I'm Judas and every savior's hated too. She wrote this, uh, I don't remember the line before, but it's beautiful, about how you just think you are a, you are a martyr and mm. I am just the one that just is here to be the negative side of your story. And I remember mm. she wrote that and I mm-hmm. walked out of the room. I was like, I, 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 I don't know what I'm here for. That was... <laughs> I need to rethink things. I need to, I need to sit with that for a minute. I don't know if I can continue. Mm. Yeah, it was... It, but yeah, talk about respect. There's, I don't know how I wouldn't. I'd have to be stupid or blind. Yeah, it's 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 so fun yeah. to watch y'all. I think that's something I admire so much about again y'all and Drew and Ellie is just like how, and you know John and I laugh. It's like it's really hard not to get envious. You know, <laughs> like every now and then I look at Annie after we see it. She's like, no, it's not. No, I no, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, but you you couldn't. No, just. <laughs> Take that somewhere else. We're not doing this. We're not singing together. No, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Drew and Ellie are brother and sister to us, man. They are f- absolute, completely, we are parallel universe, same people, for sure. Me and Drew were texting yesterday about this mm-hmm. new song he wrote that's stupid good. I heard it. He sent me a voice note, straight up, just first song demo, right? I just want to get the song down while I remember it. The whole song straight through. And I'm making breakfast for the kids crying like a big old baby. <laughs> And I just stop. You can't send me this at seven thirty LA time, dude. Like you gotta like give me. <laughs> you had two hours. I've had no time. Like chill. You... And I went in because it was brilliant. And I really just have you ever sent this text to to a buddy after they write a song? I've done it rarely, but I did it yesterday with Drew. I just wrote back, "You did it." Like mm. that's you did it. Mm. I don't know what that. Yeah. I don't mean that that's gonna be like. I don't know what I mean by that. Other than that, if we're here to write great songs, if we're here to write songs that last forever, you did it. You just did that. Yeah, you yeah. did it. Hey, Dave. John. It's John here. Yep. You knew that. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you ever had a multivitamin that you like? Because mm-hmm. every single one that I've tried is horse size, right? Yeah. The pill is enormous, like yeah. the size of a horse. Like a battle horse. Like a pony's parent. Oh. Like a pony's dad. Yeah, dad pony. 
<laughs> and I feel like I'm going to choke and die on that thing. That can't yeah, be healthy. It's not. I, I would. I don't want you to do that. I have actually found a multivitamin that I like, and it's called candy. It's delicious, and I can't get enough of it. I mean, my doctor, he gives it to me after every visit, so it's got to be great for me. Oh, yeah, but I don't think that's a vitamin. No, it's not. It, 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 it should be. It's because it makes my life so sweet. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I've been hearing a lot about this new multivitamin called Ritual. Mm. All right. It's clean, okay. vegan-friendly multivitamin that's formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms your body can actually use. I'm going to say that again. Yeah, please just say Bioavailable forms. I filled out three of those in college. I've been hearing a lot about them as well. You know, I think the coolest part is that they have a minty taste and delay release capsule design. So it makes you don't want the capsule to release immediately. No, no, no. that is my number one pet peeve. Or years later. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you've missed the point at that point. It makes taking the vitamin so easy. I guess if candy isn't doing it for me, which it is, I can at least take a vitamin that tastes like candy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited to try them. I think Ritual is awesome because they're designed for your life stage. All now, of life hang with stage, me. Johnny. Now, available for women, men, and teens, Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different stages of life. The coolest part of Ritual is making healthy habits easy. I mean, they're marketing genii because <laughs> their name is Ritual, and they're going to help me establish a ritual of healthy habits because their multivitamin is delivered to my door every month and always includes free shipping. You can start or snooze or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, guess what? What? They'll refund your first order. No way. Yep. Okay, get key ingredients without the BS. And mm-hmm. by BS... I mean, bad supply. Of course. And to sweeten the deal, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during the first three months. Ooh. Visit ritual.com slash dadbill to start your ritual today. Mm. That's ritual.com slash dadbill. Start feeling good without eating that candy. I have a random question. Is there ever, um, this may be wildly inappropriate, which yes. makes it a really fun question. Do you ever, in those moments... Like I, I've thought about this with Drew and Ellie, like I'll see him live and there's a moment as I feel like, okay, this is getting to a point where I feel dirty watching. <laughs> like, do you ever, when you're sitting there singing and Amanda's looking at you and you, it's all of it's happening, the notes, right? The harmony that you're just like, we're about to make. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about sex with Amanda all the time, if I'm being honest. <laughs> So I don't know that one time stands out more than another. I will say this. We just played on stage for the first time in 326 days the other day. And we, it was a small private event that was supposed to be outdoors. Whatever. It, it was great. We were grateful to be there. Um, but we sang with masks on because we were going to go next level. So we made everybody in the room wear a mask. We wore masks while we sang. We wore like the surgical ones, but black, so it looked cooler. That aren't quite as tight on your face like a K 95 and it, we, we had our sound guy with us. He re-cued it. He made a preset for masks on. No way. <laughs> and it sounded amazing. Uh, I will say we were singing masks on. We were singing in the round, you know, 100 people around us. And this is last week. And I go to sing this one line, but I really wanted her to see me. So I got this mask on. And our guitar player, the three of us are playing a trio show. And we're all facing in with the round around us, right? Cameras are on us so that people in other parts of the round can see us. And I look dead in the eye, and I slowly pull my mask down and sing the line to her. And I can hear my guitar player go, ooh. <laughs> just, he said, and I asked him about it later. He said, bro, I don't know. Like, I've just been watching you sing with a mask on for 50 minutes. 
then it just felt kind of pornographic. Like you're delivering this line very intentionally. You pull, I see your tongue now, your lips are the, like, it's just, ew. like, I don't, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I just imagine like every time I've seen y'all do that or Drew and Nelly, I'm like, man, that has got to take some real strength. Not just be like, push the mic out of the way. And everybody just starts making it. And the, and the audience just slowly leaves, except like for the goodbye. one creepy guy in the back. Line. He's like, you got to walk. Y'all, a story yeah. I've never told, just because I feel yeah. very at home right now. Worst show yes. of our lives. Worst show. We don't kiss on stage. If we do, I'll put my, I wear a big hat. I'll cover us with the hat. Oh, I love it. I love it. We just never, it's not something we do. We don't kiss on stage. We don't, we, we uh, it's not even something we've ever really talked about. It just, some things are ours, right? Like we're sharing all ourselves, mm-hmm. ourselves with you entirely. Right. Some, That's great. You know, I love we, that. I guess we've drawn an, an unspoken line. We've never kissed on stage, except for once. Worst show ever. We're in. Uh, what is it? Just outside of Mobile at Hangout Fest in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And we we're playing the EDM stage. At the time, VH1 had been really, really good to us. And so they were putting us in all these events that we really didn't deserve to be in. We played a show. It was us, Ed Sheeran, Lord, Haim, the Lumineers, uh, and us. Like, it's just there was no reason for Johnny Swim to, who had, at the time, we had four songs out, a four song EP. No reason to put us on that stage, but they were very kind. Rick Krim, who was later a publisher, whatever, love music Rick. stuff. Rick's a great dude. Rick was really kind to us, got us on the stage at Hangout Fest, one of our first festival performances ever. We were playing the EDM stage. And for people listening that maybe aren't touring professionals, the stages at festivals sound differently than they do in a club, right? Like the, the way you hear even on stage, if you're using wedges or even in-ears, and we're using wedges at the time, uh, the, the way you hear yourself is different in a festival stage. The atmosphere, the volume on stage, where the subwoofers are placed. So if the subwoofers are under the stage, I'm rattling and it's changing the sonics actually in my ear. The EDM stage was the yeah. most dramatic version of that I've ever seen where they just have countless oh, yeah. subwoofers the subs, on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in this yeah. dome. Like, you know, there was a rave that night there. It's, it's made for that. And we have our band with us and we're playing, but all I hear is <laughs> strumming the guitar. Drew and Ellie walked up. At the time, our, our agent was like, hey, there's this band, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Uh, we're, we're trying to pitch you guys to tour with them. They're going to come watch your set. So I watched them walk up in the middle of the set. That's horrendous. We can't find tonal center, which oh, for a non-professional yeah, a nightmare. means you just can't hear if you're singing in tune or not. You don't know nightmare. if you're singing in the right note. You don't know if you're hearing a sonic resonance. You don't know what you're hearing, so you don't know what right. to sing along to. So we're singing out of tune with each other with the song. It's miserable. It's an actual nightmare. I watched Drew and Ellie walk up. They do, the, they do this thing where their head kind of mm. just tilts like, huh. The curious puppy. They're the curious puppy for 30 seconds, and they turn around and walk away. We've never talked about that. It was, uh, they really didn't. We did not tour with them. And I was like, I'm yelling at You're our like, manager, hey, can you give me toilet paper to plug my ears with? Maybe that'll help, whatever, da-da-da. And finally, somebody else from the crowd, y'all should kiss. And I was like, okay. Just walks over, plants one on me, riotous applause. She goes in and like, says, good night, everybody. Thank you so much. No. <laughs> yeah, no. We, we closed the set with a kiss because, uh, like, 20 minutes early. We had 20 minutes left we needed to play. <laughs> I just called it. She no. just made out with me in front of everybody. Only time ever. <laughs> Got some applause, and we left. I had a show once at um, the, it was called, uh, what was it called? It's where Urban Outfitters is now. What was that venue called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. Oh, dude, City Hall. It, yeah. yeah. City yeah, yeah. Hall. And uh, and we're playing. You know, there's a bunch of people. There's great. And I I started a song called the L.A. song, and I could not. My low E was barely out of tune. Mm. And so as I'm playing, I'm like, I don't know what key I'm in. 
Oh no. And I start singing and I think I'm so off that I stop. Yeah. I just like got halfway through the verse like guys, I'm so sorry. I just really need to tune. Because I felt like I am heading out into the abyss of nowhere. Yeah, I have no clue where it's going. And I remember later Mango, my bass player, and I was really, I was, I was really frustrated because I was like, I just wasn't pro. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, sorry guys, I got you know, tune. And and he was like, dude, you were spot on. I was like, oh. well, that's encouraging, but I couldn't hear. Yeah, no, it's anything. It that that is the scariest thing. I've had the opposite. There's no worse feeling. On I've had stage. the opposite happen before. We're playing the show in New York. Uh, and we sang, oh, and we sang the song, oh yeah, we sang the song Pay Dearly. It's mainly me. I don't think Amanda even sings on it. And I, I like, it's the most vocal performy I get. Like I'm not, I don't riff a lot. I don't whatever. But on this song, it's, uh, it's like, want you to pay dearly for what you stole from me. Say that you won't. I'll burn down the door. I want it paid to me. Is that easy? And I'm ripping, singing, <laughs> feeling myself. Go. I'm throwing in a couple extra runs. And the whole time I see Amanda, and now we have a whole language we speak to each other that's nonverbal on stage. These are early days of Junction. She's kind of looking at me, smiling, but like giving me like a half wink. <laughs> and she kind of plays with her ear a little bit, but makes it look like she's playing with her hair, but she kind of like tugs on her ear. She's touching. Does this. I feel like I kill it. Smattering of applause. Kind of like a confused applause. She goes off mic. She goes, she leans in me and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> There's a video recording. It's on YouTube. Johnny Slim at, oh man, somewhere in New York. It's like some Brazilian thing. Some Brazilian restaurant, literally. Uh, dude, I sang the whole thing a half note off. I don't know how. I was perfectly no. a half step above the so entire were song. hearing consistently whatever the overtone was that was half a step off. Yeah. So I just yeah. sang the song exactly terrible. <laughs> like the math for horrible is what I did. Which is really hard to do, actually. <laughs> Imagine being able to do it on purpose would be something, but by accident, it's a curse. <laughs> Isn't right. it funny? Like when you're stepping, you know, my, my wife has, has been blessed, and I really mean this. She is a truth teller. Like Annie yeah. will never lie to you. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing better than when I step. It's one of the reasons I'm, I'm literally addicted to that part of her. Like it, 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 I know she's going to tell me the truth, which yeah. is really hard sometimes. But there's nothing better than when I stand, you know, I come off stage and she's like, you killed it. Because I yeah. know I did. I know I did. There's nothing worse yeah. <laughs> than when I think I've killed it. I am <sighs> floating off stage. I'm like, babe, let's buy that boat. Let's buy that boat because it is about to change. And she's like, and I'm like, what would you think? She's like, um, you know, it was, how were your ears? Oh, and I'm no. Always like, oh, no. She's Jeez. like, it wasn't bad. It was just, it was pitchy. It oh. was pitchy. And I'm always like, oh. Oh, that's you always know. been my mom for me. Amanda's that. We're that for each other, I guess, but Amanda doesn't mess up, so it's easy for me. Um, <laughs> but my mom's always been that one. Like, I remember the first time we, uh, first time we, was it the rhyme? And it was something that was, like, crazy. Like, that felt like a memorial stone, right? Felt yeah, like, yeah, yeah, We'll yeah, never yeah. forget this one. Yeah. I was like, she's backstage after the show, hugs me. All right, good job, son. I said, but what'd you think? She said, I mean, it wasn't perfect. I was like, we weren't going for perfect, mom. She's like, ah, you know, I just, I, I love you, so I want you to have a great night, but you, you know, just, yeah, you could have done better. I was like, oh my God. 
But then when mom, I like one time we played the Ryman and we are dressing room. I forget what it was, but we had to go up the elevator, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mom had mm-hmm. beat me there because she'd come from the balcony. Elevator door opens and she's sobbing. And she just said, I wish your dad could see this. It was so oh. beautiful. So then that, oh. it, it makes that even all the more special yeah, to your point. Because yeah, totally. you can trust yeah. that honesty so much that when it, when it was good, you can really rest your hat. You can lay your head on that and be like, all right, yeah, that was, uh, all right, good night. Of course, I would have like a Pavlovian yeah. response probably just like, babe, let's wait and let the elevator because she needs to be up there. Because she's, <laughs> just give her a minute because this is her, I really know if she's up there. You know, let's take the elevator down, go down and we'll go up one more time. She'll be there this time. <laughs> She'll be there waiting. I wish um, your dad was here to see this. It's like the most epic oh. thing to say as the elevator opens, just instant tears. Blah! It's 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 also epic that your dad told you as he dropped you off, don't come home and tell yeah, dude. That same epic oh. sort of. And he never got to see any of it, man. He never. Oh. He died before we sold out the rhyme. Mm. He died before we ever toured, like legitimately toured. Man, which is a shame. I'll never oh. forget. Mom was there the first time we played the rhyme. Guys, a story. I'll stop after this. I swear to God. I used oh, to valet at the Palm in downtown Nashville at the Hilton, and if you valet at the Hilton mm. long enough, you could valet at the Palm because that's where you made mm. the real money. Mm. So I remember I was valeting at the Palm one night. I think it was Coldplay was playing. It was either Coldplay or it was Adele. And I remember I see the bus. I was at the Hilton that morning in the Palm that night. So in the mornings, I saw the tour buses come in, saw the trailers, saw the stuff, and they're playing the Ryman, one of them, some big act. And that night I was at the Palm. So then everybody was coming in for dinner before the concert. Everybody's talking about how excited they are to see this artist, yada yada. And you could see, uh, you know, sold out. And I remember getting in a car to valet it, and you'd park them underneath the Palm in the substructure or whatever. And I don't even know if that's a term, but it felt very legit. I literally had the same thought. I was like, gosh, I need to say substructure. In the substructure. And I remember thinking to myself in the car, one day it's going to be your tour buses Mm. pulling up to the Ryman for a sold out show. Mm. And I remember as soon as I thought that, this instinct that I would confuse for the voice of God, literally say very clearly in my mind, don't get your hopes up. And I was Mm. like, okay, all right, fine. We'll go. Maybe not. Mm. Maybe not. And it felt very sobering. I've learned that that voice is the devil. Um, (laughs) He sounds a lot like God. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'll never forget, years go by. It was a rainy night. You know, you feel when the bus is done driving, you know you're in the new city. Uh, And you kind of, do before your eyes open, you do the mental check. And as you have babies and they're on the bus, the mental check, the list grows. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, it doesn't stop when you're sleeping. You feel Mm -hmm. one little sway. You're like, are we all about to die? Which child's the most likely to oh. turn the wrong way in the bunk let me go check them let me, you know whatever but this was pre-kids maybe we just had one kid so i'm doing the mental check what city are we in where am i gonna go for breakfast that kind of thing and i remember it hit me all the once we're, we're in nashville mm. we're playing the ryman for the first time mm. and it sold out and i remember i jumped out it was a rainy day in nashville in december and i go across the street on fourth avenue and so from this position i'm standing now across the street fourth avenue i have the ryman in front of me and just across broadway i can see the palm and mm. i can see guys at the Hilton running cars into the garage doing their thing. And I'm remembering that night that I dreamt one day you're going to play the Ryman. It's going to be sold out. And I looked up and at that moment I looked at, swept my eyes from the palm to the Ryman. And now, you know, the digital billboard that's there says tonight, Johnny swim sold out. And I, when I tell you, I bawled like a little baby Mm. and I wished if there was one moment, one achievement, regardless of where we go from here, there's one thing I wish my dad could see. Mm. And I know he saw it somehow, but one thing I wish more than anything he was there to see to see that I didn't come home until my dreams came true, mm. that I, di- I took his advice <laughs> yeah. and I wasn't quitting. And that will forever be something that, uh, that we didn't just accomplish on our own, but that's an that's a old Cuban immigrant man dropping his son off with not really any money, 
not a whole mm. lot of advice, but buckets and buckets of faith mm. that made that happen. Yeah. Jeez. Amen. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Man, that's how you sell the CDs, baby. <laughs> we call them records. Why don't we just call them CDs? No, Guys, I got a new tape coming out. A <laughs> <laughs> single. Cardboard's lead. Okay, so we like to end these with a couple yes, questions. Please. Is that an old school tape? Dude, so we have Valentine's right Day. We're doing a live from the backyard, our uh, live Instagram and YouTube performances. Uh-huh. And we do these What premium... time do you need us to be there, by the way? Sorry. Oh, please, anytime. You can come now. Yeah. Okay, um, we, oh, we've been doing these premium uh, merchandise items that we create ourselves, whether it's screen printing something ourselves, tie-dyeing shirts ourselves. This time we're selling cassette players, not this one, but we are making... Mixtapes. One side's all Johnny Swim love songs, and the other side is all Johnny Swim breakup songs. And oh so when you gosh. buy it, we'll, we'll have videos and everything of us making them here. Genius. We, uh, we hand sign every cassette. We put a smiley face on one side, a frown face on the other side. When you buy it, you get a cassette oh, player, man. headphones, and the tape already in it. Anyway, so that's what this is. Genius. That's amazing. All right, a couple I questions. Love I love it. Let's do it. Yeah, so we, we like to end uh, with the same two questions. I'll ask one. David will ask the, the second. So, question number one. What is the one thing that you want your kids to know for sure? I want my kids... I, I added the it. for sure. The I one thing I want my that. kids to know is that they are loved. Endlessly, boundlessly loved. Get out, I'm talking! I'm just kidding, come here. <laughs> Speaking of kids... Say hi. Oh, hi. look at this guy. Who is that handsome guy? What's up? Hey. Hi. How's it going? Uh, it's Are you doing going, school right now? Uh, it's yeah. going. I have a break until my end of day meeting. Oh, gosh. And, and I assume nice. you're Joaquin? You're almost Are you done. Joaquin? Yes, I am. You are Joaquin. And that means you are six Joaquin. years old? No. Okay, almost. Like, you're turning six almost. in a couple almost. weeks? That's right. That's right. You're coming up. On, you're sneaking up on six. When's your birthday? I don't know if you made this conversation. Sorry. <laughs> Tell mom I'll be right out. We'll find out. We'll research. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like that. It's like... I have something for you that I need you to find, and I have a map for it. Oh, <gasps> a treasure map! All right, oh when I'm done goodness. here, let's go find that treasure. Thanks, oh bud. Can you goodness. shut that door on your way out? Oh, that's awesome! You made the treasure map, so he's gonna give me some hints. Love you, I'm bud. Just, just a heads up: don't don't, don't follow it. If hey. thank you, baby. Just don't follow it if it ends in the bathroom. That's a bad I know, treasure dude. Map. Trust this, me. This Trust kid me. and poop. All my kids. I've got. I've got seven before. chickens and three kids. There's always, at any point of the day, a potential of poop being on my person. <laughs> Above all, I want my kids to know they're loved. That's what I want. I want. I want them to know they are loved. That love is. Yeah, that's it. Don't expound yeah. upon it. There's no story. Yeah. I want them to know no, they're that's loved. Great. Okay. Second and final question: What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Ooh, I hate that question. Fuck you. Um. <laughs> I don't know if y'all bleep. Uh, what do I want my kids to say at my funeral? I want them to be there. I want them all to be there. <laughs> That's a really good start. <laughs> Thank you for coming. I want them all to be there. I think that'd be Nobody's great. ever said it's just that. Like they all show Nobody's up. Said- <laughs> they all show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a 
that's, uh, I don't know. Can we move that to Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just, I hope. You know, I if I hope they'd say I want to be able to love my kids like dad loved me. I want to I, not mm. even just be the man my dad was, not be the person, not zero things about accomplishments, zero thing. I want them to, I want them to remember forever how loved they are. I remember that about my dad. I remember how much he loved me. Mm. I remember how much he cared for me. I was I was not second. I was not second place mm. in his life, and that was obvious. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that something, because the goal, my goal as a father. I want to raise shame-free, confident, super-loved, caring kids mm. that put others before themselves. And if I do that, if they if, when they one day speak at my funeral, because I know I will not bury any babies, my babies will bury me. I mm. uh, I hope they would speak to that that how loved they are. That that you know nobody loved me like Dad did. Dad made me feel like I could climb a freaking ladder to the moon if I wanted to. Mm. Yeah. Right, man. I was, you know, being raised Southern Baptist, you get so much shame you you end up with, especially when it comes to sex or anything like that. Like it's just all so shameful. It's all so bad. It's all so toxic. Everything is so fire. Speaking of, everything is just fire right at the edge of your thing, and that just messes you up. Messes up marriages. It messes up relationships. You want to be so right and so perfect. I don't want. I got no interest mm-hmm. in raising perfect kids. I got no mm-hmm. interest in raising completely correct humans. I have every interest. Mm-hmm. I have every interest in raising kids that are confident in the amount of love there is being poured in their direction at every moment of every day in their deepest dreams and their darkest nightmares, whether they make their bed in heaven or hell, they know they are loved. They are well protected. Mm-hmm. They are loved. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Y'all got me on, feeling man. something, man. Jeez. Damn. That's the end of that TED Talk. <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Oh, man. I forgot to uh, finish dude. this apple, so now it just looks like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Can we do it again tomorrow? Yes. Same Thank thing. You. This felt like a really Thank you for good... being so generous yes. with your time, yes. man. This yes, is... yes, yes, yes. And hey, before, before we go, t- tell the people about the couple shows in the book real quick. Oh, man. Album. We got... Go get Discovery Plus. It's an app. Go get it. Magnolia Network is coming out later. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this. Ugh. But if you get Discovery Plus, you're going to get all the Magnolia stuff that comes out later this year. Mm-hmm. We have a TV show called Home on the Road with Johnny Swim. It's about us traveling with all our babies around the country. We have another TV show coming out in the summer called At Home with Johnny Swim. Really dealing with how we deal with being at home mm-hmm. when our whole life has been touring with the kids and family and friends. Shows some behind the scenes of making live from the backyard, uh, some parties we throw, all that stuff. We have a book coming out called Home Sweet Road. God, you ever think you're going to write one song and everything's going to have that title in it for the rest of your damn life? That's where I'm at. Home. Mm. Mm-hmm. So home on the road, at home, home sweet road. <laughs> and yo, we booked the Ascend Amphitheater for the fall, so if COVID doesn't kill everybody, that's where we're going to be. Come on now. Come on now. Yes. I want to be there. Man. Uh, thank you for your time, Abner. Thank you, guys. I love y'all for real. Dead